Hello, hello, welcome again to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. That is AJ, he's the green, I'm Ken, I'm the beige, and welcome to edition, I think this is number eight or number nine, this is eight. This is number eight. eight, thank you, of the Green Beige Podcast. So again, this is coming from relatively cold Colorado, and I'm thinking probably colder, D.C., because the storm that rolled through here passed that way, caused all kind of havoc in Texas, who is still struggling to recover. And right now, I mean, our prayers go out to those folks over in Texas, because if you're not accustomed to this kind of weather and it creep up on you suddenly, it is problems. So we don't really need to um, spend too much time going over the weather because, you know, we talked about the weather last week. But this week, I mean, it's unfortunate the way how our setup is because we start this recording on Monday, we broadcast on Wednesday, and then on Thursday or Friday, something major seems to happen every week. And this <laughs> week, off the rip, we are starting with Carson Wentz. It was announced last Friday that Carson Wentz has been traded to the Indianapolis Colts for the 2021 third round pick and the conditional second round 2022 pick, whereby if Mr. Wentz plays at least 70 or 75% of the snaps that the Colts play this coming season, then it moves from a second round pick to a first round pick. So AJ, let's not waste time on this. What do you feel about this trade? I think it's actually a good trade for the Colts. I think it's, and, and we've had discussions ad nauseum about this. And it, it seems like the general consensus was like, yeah, this seems like the, 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 the best fit because of obviously the relationship with Frank Reich uh, from when he was at the Eagles and just the fact that they were going to need a QB because, you know, we know old man Phil was moving on at the end of the season. So, yeah, um, it just seemed like the right fit. So I don't think anyone, I know you can't tell me you were surprised because we, like I said, we spoke about it personally as well. I know you couldn't be surprised. It, it, it feels, it, <laughs> I don't want to say it's too good to be true. I still have my reservations about it, but I think the Coles made the right move. I, the Colts, talking about Coles. I think the Colts made the right move. Uh, in my opinion, they did not give up too much. <laughs> the Eagles are in dire straits. It, it, it's funny how the mighty, how the, how the mighty have fallen. Huh? The Eagles just seem extremely poorly run and disorganized right now. Like on the, looking looking in, in the grand scheme of things, that's just how they seem. Um, they they clearly handled their quarterback situation badly given the fact that now they're saying that um, they're going to bring someone in um, to compete for the starting job with Jalen Hurts after. Then they move up to get Jalen Hurts last year? They did. Yeah. So I, I really don't know what Howie Roseman has been on these days. I don't know who, who's advising Howie. I don't know what's happening over there. But I, I, I believe the Colts are a team that are trending in the right direction. And if this goes... Frank Reich is a good coach, in my opinion. And if this goes the way, at least I expect it, they will not be regressing. At, at worst, at worst, I think they, they maintain what they were last year, 11-5 team. But I do not see them regressing, at least. 
So for me, right, I I look at this 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 deal from a number of different um, angles. First off, when we consider the quarterback that's been moved, all right. So we we have spoken at length in the past about uh, one Carson Wentz. You have been higher on Wentz than I have been in the past. Yes. Yeah. And I mean. Similar to what they were saying this season, well, coming into the former season, this season just finished, about Baker Mayfield, where he had all the weapons and therefore he had no excuse. He now had to either put up or shut up. And to his credit, in the main, he played reasonably well. Similarly, Carson Wentz <laughs> now... <laughs> <laughs> you still unjust. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Similarly, Carson Wentz now is leaving a Philadelphia team that the offensive line has not been good, and he's going to a team that has had a pretty good offensive line. In terms of, well, they had no weapons at wide receiver. The Eagles did last season to the point where. If there were fans in the stands, they could have been calling the man from sitting down in section C, number 103, come down, grab some pads, you're going to start running some routes over here. So they didn't have anything really in terms of offensive weaponry to speak of. So now he's going to a team that, well, we could come back to that in a second, but there are clearly upgrades to what he had in Philadelphia, what he's now going to enjoy in Indianapolis. In terms of the deal itself, I believe that this deal was fair for all parties. But I know that if I was a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I would be upset. Because you would see that when uh, Matthew Stafford got traded, he got traded for no more picks. But no, our starting quarterback who, for some force, were an M- was an MVP candidate ch- before he was injured a couple of seasons ago, has now been traded for a second for a third round of this season and a second round of next season, which could turn out to be a first. If the expected happens, which is that he's going to beat out Jacoby Brissett for the starting quarterback position. So you have all of these things happening from the Eagles' perspective, and all you get is these two picks. But as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing these quarterbacks who may or may not be on the move, when you factor in the injury history of Carson Wentz, when you factor in the price that his contract is going to cost, and, I mean, the other thing that we haven't even mentioned up until this point, but I think it's like a $31 million cap hit that the Eagles take by trading him. Yeah, so yeah. they... They have not covered themselves in glory in any aspect of this trade. And no, as you mentioned, you you would think that it means no, Jalen Hurts is the guy going forward. But Jalen Hurts has not convinced anybody as yet of him being the guy going forward. So now you're going to say that you're going to trade your starting quarterback for a, a two and a three. And we can still be looking for another quarterback to come in to challenge Jalen Hurts. As you said, I don't understand what 
the Eagles are really doing over there, maybe they should take a page out of the book of the Browns, who have not been covering themselves in glory up until this past season, when apparently they've made all of the right moves. But, I mean, if I, I'll just let you... I'll let you hop back in here because, like I said, there's, there's another part of this trade that I wanted to, to mention. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> which is why I kind of I mentioned it in that regard. I, I, the Eagles just seem disorganized because, okay, you had some issue in the quarterback room. Apparently, Carson Wentz was, uh, he went a little diva on you and he didn't like the fact that, you know, he was ousted for Jalen Hurts and whatnot. Um, and then he wanted out, so, okay, say didn't want to to keep a quarterback that didn't want to be there cool but as you said i i given given how terrible Carson Wentz was and despite the fact that he didn't have any weapons and I'll admit he was terrible he was trying to play too much hero ball right and and trying to do too much on his own and it just was not so despite the bad o-line and and weapons there were certain things he still could have handled better so despite uh, uh so yeah in, in with all of that in mind, I, the Eagles were never going to get a first round. I don't believe so. I don't believe they were ever going to get a first rounder for him. So second and third um, is third and 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 then a second, which mm-hmm. could potentially be a first, right? Um, so yeah, it, <laughs> it it it's it feels that it feels like it, it is fair from what you said. From um, sorry, yeah, it feels like it is fair, but at the same time, if you if you're making that trade, it you should have a succession plan already in place. So to get that, it, 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 makes no, it makes no sense to me that that was what you traded. And it's like, all right, we'll settle, we'll settle for this and not try to push for more because, all right, we, we're, we're quite content with the quarterback that we have, that we just moved up to draft last year. But they're not. So I, I, I don't understand where this is going. And then you just brought in a new coach, he doesn't even seem he doesn't even seem like he understands what he's what his role is I, I don't know who wrote that speech for him but if that is an indication of what's to come well Eagles have a long way to go still uh like I said I I know you said it, it, it looks pretty even I for me the, the Colts slightly won this I mean the Colts slightly won this because if Frank Reich could even get a, a, the the slightest modicum of of what Carson Wentz was prior to, to his injury that like I said it, it 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 could be a slight progression I don't see them getting much further than they did last year though because let let me be fair as much as I like Carson Wentz the man has played he has appeared in one in one postseason game so we I, I, I we do not know we really don't know what he can do in that situation but this is a playoff this is a playoff team this is a postseason team and especially with uh, the other factors are taking place within their own division, they could win the division outright next year, potentially, right? Um, will West take them further? I don't know, but I don't know if he still will take them further than like a, a divisional game or, or wild card game even. Well, if they win, yeah, divisional. They might be done, uh, uh, a done and done. But yeah, I, 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 despite all that, Despite all that, they won. They still won this trade. I mean that that shouldn't be that shouldn't be the end of, the end all be all for for this, right? But it, it, 
you know, I really don't like the Eagles. I really do not like. <laughs> so it's not hurting me as much as it, it's not hurting me as much as you, as you may think. I, I I'm actually smiling on the inside. I'm just kind of confused, just from from a general standpoint. I, I'm just kind of confused as to how the Eagles are going about handling this situation, which is why it seems I like I may be at a loss of words because I myself can't explain it. I just I, I'm I'm just repeating the facts, but even as I'm doing that, I cannot explain what the Eagles' plan is. I don't even know if the Eagles have a plan. It, it, are they going to, to try to get another second round drop um, QB? I, 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 and, and next year, next year, whether it's Jalen Hurts or whether it is um, whoever they draft or whatever the case is, because I don't see them bringing in anyone else. Like, well, if they said to challenge Jalen Hurts, then obviously it's not going to be like a top tier QB. So they're back in the, in, they're back in the dog house, I guess. Um, that rebuilding transition phase? Well, from what I have seen, uh, some of the commentary that I, I got on this, and I try not to look too heavy into what other people are saying about things that I know we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. One of the points that were made was that, well, I know we're going to get into the whole solder cap thing a little later on, but the Eagles right now are projected, are not projected, based on where the salary cap has been placed right this second, they're the second worst team in relation to the cap right now. Their roster is bloated in terms of the salaries that they're paying to the players that they have who are not performing up to the level of the money that they're earning. So at this point, it is suggested that What the Eagles have done is that they have basically gone into full rebuild mode. So trading the quarterback away definitely starts the whole teardown process. It's unfortunate that a new coach comes in as soon as his quarterback is traded and now he has to try to figure it out. That's unfortunate, but that's the job. And you had to know that this was coming when you took the job. So I don't have any sympathy for the coach. I'm, I'm sorry that this is what you have to deal with as soon as you walk in through the door, but you probably should have vetted it a little bit better before you walked in. On the other side, though, the Colts. Now, the Colts, they have a lot of young talent on their roster. And like, they, they recently brought in running backs through the draft. They recently um, have brought in one or two wide receivers. T.Y. Hilton is still there, but the T.Y. Hilton of 2020 was not the T.Y. Hilton of 2016, not even the T.Y. Hilton of 2015. So at this point, if I was Indianapolis, I would be looking to see who are the wide receivers that are out on the market that I may be able to bring in to help complement my new, my new, my new toy at quarterback. And the good thing for the Colts is that the Colts right now are projected to have $43.6 million in cap space. So basically any weaknesses that they have in their team, they do have some money there that they can go and fix it. And from that perspective, I believe that the Colts then will be a lot better come next season. As you mentioned, where they sit in the division. They were second in the division. Second? No, they won the division this season, didn't they? No. The, um, the 
Oh, there was there there was second in the division behind the Titans, and the Titans are still going to be the Titans next season because based it's on the same record, but yeah, they they were right. the ones with mm-hmm. the Titans are, are in a little bit of um, cap trouble, not much, just two point one million dollars below the cap. Well, sorry, above the cap, so they have a little bit of work to do. Whereas the Colts are looking to strengthen, they will have to do a little bit of retooling, but. That division is going to be between the two of them. We know that Houston, of Houston course. is a dumpster fire. And Jacksonville, well, you talked about Jacksonville last week. So anybody that missed it, go check last week's pod and see what AJ had to say <laughs> about Please. Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Please. yeah, I think I think we we we've covered this this topic pretty pretty well. So we can then move on to the other part of this of this trade. So, for those of you who are um, on Twitter and follow ESPN and ESPN um, staff, Field Yates, who is often commenting on NFL stuff, especially when it regards to fantasy stuff, he brought out this tweet that was very very interesting. He said that no, with Carson Wentz having been traded from Indianapolis, sorry, traded to Indianapolis from Philadelphia, no quarterback drafted in the first round from 2009 to 2016 is still with their original team. Now, when you hear that, AJ, what is the first thought that comes to mind? The very first thought I had was, wow, that, that is actually incredible. Um, it was I was kind of like oh yeah like taken taken aback a little bit. Then after it marinated and in and in my head a little bit, I was just like you know what, <laughs> this is this is more of a fun start for me. It, it I don't to me it doesn't indicate much. It doesn't indicate much because even going back, so obviously to to be thorough on this, I had to go look up the quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round of each of these years. I'm just looking at the names. Yeah, so Matt Stafford. First of all, there's the fact that not, there are not many people drafted in 2009 that are still in the league. <laughs> Let's be quite honest. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> that, true. Correct. Because, because that 2009 draft was the first round QBs were Matt Stafford, Mark Sanchez, and Josh Freeman. All right, good. Then mm-hmm. after that, it was Bradshaw, T-Ball. Like, I, I don't want to go through the, the, the entire list. It was 21 quarterbacks overall. Right, mm-hmm. um, the the more recent ones are still in the league, but then and something I mentioned to you before in 2013, bad the bad year clearly. EJ Emmanuel, EJ Emmanuel, sorry, the only quarterback drafted in the first round that year. So to me, it's kind of just more of a fun start. It it doesn't really hit me that much anymore. It it what it feels like more so is that there there clearly is a problem with. Either scouting or, you know what it is to let's let's be honest. The teams who draft these quarterbacks, they're usually in like a terrible state. Usually in a terrible state, and and it, it gets to the point where all right, you might have this talent at quarterback, but you haven't put anything around them. You haven't done anything, and then the quarterback eventually wants out, or they just weren't good enough. So I mean, it happens. It 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 doesn't mean much to me. It honestly doesn't mean much to me. I, I, what I do see was a lot of bad scouting, though. Yeah, no, that that is that is definite because 
you mentioned like, the 2009 and 2010 draft classes of quarterbacks. But I'm looking through the list. And as I look through the list, you see certain uh, teams appearing multiple times. And it is no surprise then that these teams appear multiple times when they make the mistakes that they made in the drafting. For example, 2009, you had Josh Freeman going to the Buccaneers. And then in 2015, the Buccaneers are drafting Jameis Winston, who was my backup this season. You have the Broncos in 2010 taking Tim Tebow. And then in 2016, they're drafting Pastonich, who is out of the league. And Tim Tebow, by the way, is also out of the league. You have Jake Locker being drafted by the Titans in 2011. And then Marcus Mariota being taken in 2015, in 2011. And by the way, James Winston, Marcus Mariota, first overall, second overall picks. And both of them were shipped off of their teams basically at the same time. Then we, we have um, Washington who brought in Robert Griffin III. And in that same draft, it is we have to mention that they also drafted Kirk Cousins in the same draft. And neither of them are still with the team. We have the Browns, who took Brandon Whedon in 2012, Johnny Mazel in 2014. How bad do you have to mess this up that you have to draft another quarterback in the first round two years later? But then again, it is the Browns. So, as you mentioned, my greatest takeaway is that there's a, there is a dearth of talent evaluation. There's a little bit of a problem there when it comes to working out who is going to be a hit for you in the draft and especially at the quarterback position. Now, I remember when a lot of these players were coming out of the draft. Now, I am not one that follows college football that closely, but when, especially when it comes to quarterbacks and the quarterback conversations, I do then, you know, my ears will per perk up. So, like... Cam Newton, 2011, he was a slam dunk pick and he only got moved off of his team last season because of injury and he decided he wanted to go in a different direction. His situation is different to someone like Blake Bortles, who apparently they said he had all of the intangibles, you know, big arm and great leader and whatever, just horribly inaccurate. Jameis Winston, same story. He had his own character issues coming out of Florida. And then we have like Marcus Mariota, who was supposedly the future in the NFL. He and his coach, Chip Kelly, in, in Oregon. And then he got to Tennessee, and it didn't work out. And Chip Kelly came into the league and is back in college. <clears throat> Excuse me, back in college. So that tells you that in the really midst of all this, sorry, but let me no, say just yeah, now just uh, but in the midst of all this too, and then let's not forget Andrew Andrew Luck is in this is in this um and he's he's obviously the anomaly in this entire thing. Yeah, he's the outlier. Correct. He's all like because uh, had Andrew Luck been fit, he would still be with his team. Like Andrew At Luck least, wasn't going anyway. Yeah, well, we would like to think that he would still be with his team. Because you really think luck would have left luck would have left the course? It all depends on how things were going for him because he did have Pagano 
and then you know Pagano got fired. He did he never had any experience with Rake. And we don't know what that may have looked like. He may have gotten frustrated and decided that he wanted out too. We don't know. But I, which is which is fair. I I I'll 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 be on the other end of the spectrum here and I'll give I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Andrew, I don't I don't see Andrew Luck frustrated with anything. I I, I honestly feel <laughs> have you ever seen Andrew Luck display any emotion but a pure and utter and unbridled joy? No matter what only happened. when he was only when he was retiring. Exactly, exactly. I, and and he was supposed to be the biggest slam dunk pick um, at quarterback since it was Peter Manning, right? Yes, Peter and then Luck, and now they're saying yeah that Trevor is a new one of them. So, so uh, yeah, and like you said, he's the outlier. But then it's just in a in a cesspool of of poorly poorly uh, uh, um scouted talent, for want of a better word. Yep, and unfortunately, well, I don't have the information here to, to talk about all of the quarterbacks that were drafted in that time. But we do have, you know, some other quarterbacks who, well, whatever reason they left their team, you know, they have not done too badly for themselves. Like Tannehill, who is now over with the Titans and getting paid and winning divisions. So he, he has landed pretty well on his feet. Goff has been traded from the Rams. I know he's over with the Lions and is expected to be the starter unless they decide that they're going to flip him and move him on to who knows. There's a lot, there's still a whole lot of interesting things happening with these quarterbacks. And I'm sure that they will continue to give us a lot more to talk about, especially when, you know, the Thursday and Friday stuff happens as soon as we release <laughs> our episode. <laughs> No, we did spend quite a bit of time talking about the cap. And the cap this past season was 100. The floor was 198 million, I think it was. It was either 195 or 198. I no longer have that window open. However, the this 2021 season coming, the cap has been reduced. And the cap has been reduced now to $180,500,000. While they have not yet announced what the ceiling is going to be for the cap, there are lots of teams that are in cap heaven and teams that are in cap hell. And I know it's always more fun to talk about the teams that have the problems, but let's let's... Put them on pause and just look at the teams right now that are potentially set to do good things for the rebuilding of their roster. So the top five teams with regards to cap space are the Jaguars at 77 million, the Jets at 67.9 million, the Patriots, your boys, at 62 million, the Colts at 43.6 million, and the Washington football team at $38.2 million. Now, I think we can just cross the Jaguars off because they have all of this cap space because they had a great roster and they basically shoved everyone out through the door. And as you so eloquently put it last week, we don't really have much faith in those calling the shots over there. So then behind them and also drafting second is the Jets, 
your Patriots are number three, and the Colts and the Washington football team. So, AJ, tell me, when you look at these teams that have all of this cap space, of course, I'm pretty sure I know which direction you're going to go, but who do you feel the best about with regards to filling out their roster and with regards to the amount of cap space they have at this current floor of 180.5 million? So you mean just out of the out of this top that that you just mentioned? Yes, out of the top five. So uh, you already mentioned it. I I I think it's a quote. I think it's a quote because um, yeah, they're in this situation where uh, like you said, you mentioned all right. So they got the QB. You know, they still have cash to go out and try to get weapons around him because while they do have some, I mean, they just drafted uh, a running back who had an extraordinary season. He was he was he was really good. So when when Marlon Mack gets injured next year, he will be <laughs> ready to, to pick up the mantle. Still have um said still have nine nine Heinz. And we didn't in in our research can't remember seeing anyone potentially that they needed to cut right. Um, so it seems that they can they can run it back with the team from last year. Like you said, they could still go out and make some additions. Um. As, uh, at wide receiver, especially the defense is is is, is a top defense, offensive line good. Um, they're already a playoff team um, based on last season, and it, it 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 seems like out of these, like they're the one that uh, they're the ones that are trending upwards. I don't th- I don't I hope you you don't think I was going to say the parts. but we don't think I was going to say the parts. <laughs> we have we have absolutely we have absolutely no. No sort of, of, of collateral, no sort of capital, um, not capital, no sort of collateral to go out and try to trade for AQB. So I'm honestly resigned to the fact that we're possibly going to bring back Cam Newton. And I hope, I hope that we at least use, use some of this, um, some of this available cap money to go and, and put some skill positions around him. Because I, I, Cam is not going to be back to 100%, even with, um, if he does have a preseason to prep with the guys, I still don't believe it. I still don't think that he's a hundred percent back from that injury, or that he could get back to MVP camp. But I, given the fact that he's had one season so far, I'm I'm pretty okay if he if he was to come back and try to run it again. And you know, this time he might be a bit more comfortable. I mean, he had to deal with COVID and a bunch of other stuff um, last season, so. Hopefully this time around he's a little more comfortable, but has a, some more weapons to work with. Uh, but the Colts are in the best position, in my opinion. Well, I like the Colts, as we mentioned just now, as we had a whole segment talking about the Colts. I like the Colts, and I like what the Colts have been doing to develop their roster and make things better for themselves going forward. You've also made some statements in the past of you know how you feel towards. Bill Belichick, the GM, as opposed to Bill Belichick, the coach, which I believe are all fair. Now, where I tend to differ, however, though, I'm I'm looking just at this top five. And the Colts are a pretty well-run organization, but the Patriots have been the gold standard for a while. And they earned that reputation. It's not as if to say that the Patriots have not been good necessarily, even with the limited um, talent that they have put 
at certain positions because you have Brady, who was the equalizer for most of that. You no longer have Brady. And it was glaringly evident this season that better needs to be done if you want this team to be competitive. And I don't know Bill Belichick personally, but from what I have seen, Bill Belichick seems to be a pretty proud man. And in fact, this season was so bad. So, so bad. Better will be done this offseason. Now, as you said, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be at this point. I saw a tweet, I can't remember from who, where they said that basically the Patriots have called every team on every quarterback that has been rumored to be available. They were not satisfied with what happened last season with Cam, and that's fair. And as remember, I, I told you last season, I was hoping that Cam would have done well. I wanted Cam to go 11 and 5, and then you lose in the divisional round. That's what my hope was because I wanted Cam to show that he was still capable of being super Cam. It didn't work out that way. So, and he knows that, we know that. So, I expect that, especially if he's given the opportunity to come back again next season, he is going to do more. The offensive line will need some measure of rebuilding. And, like, there's no way that Nikhil Harry can be your number one option at wide receiver next season. There is... That'll be Jacoby Myers, though. Based on like, if if we had to to go with what we have right now, mm-hmm. let me not say hopefully. Hopefully, is is actually someone better. But based <laughs> on what, we, based on 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 the current um wide receiving core that we have, it yeah, it can't be Nikhil Harry. It needs to be even if we have to use the same um personnel, it would have to be Jacoby Myers. But but the thing is, every season, you know, there are um wide receivers that become available, and yeah, yeah. They, Deshaun Watson, not Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Jackson from the Eagles, he got cut. So that's the kind of that's the kind of guy that Bill is like to go and get, you know, the man that is, is looking to have something to prove that's not going to be tremendously expensive. We can get him in here, we can put him in our system, and magic happens. We'll see. But Bridget- thinking has me wanting Alan Robinson, but uh, that that might actually make a semblance of sense, so I don't know if Bill's going to do that. But the problem is, though, that Bill don't like to pay people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He don't, exactly. He don't like to pay. Exactly. Right now, Alan Robinson could probably go in the, the 15 to 17, 18 million dollars for mm-hmm. next season. And can you see Bill Belichick paying him 15 million dollars? I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Like, I like I said, I, I, this is just me looking from the outside in. It it it, it seems like it makes sense to me. If if mm-hmm. it, like, bring back camera shot, it like I I'm I'm trying to work my way around it because I I like Alan Robinson as a receiver. I have for quite a number of seasons now. Um, pre Bears, even when he was with the Jazz, I've I, I always thought he was a really good talent, right? So this is just me wishfully thinking, I, but I I realistically don't see it. I don't see Bill doing before what you just said. Bill is not going to pay. He ain't going to pay anybody that top dollar. Not, I, nah, nah. <laughs> I mean, Stephon Gilmore earned earned every penny that, that he now makes 
because of what he did, right? But to bring somebody in to give him that, not Bill, boy. Not Bill. But the thing is, even as much as you said Stephon Gilmore has earned his salary, there is thought that from last season's trade deadline that y'all are looking out to move. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I, ex- I expected it too. I expected that too. He, he earned it. That don't, that, that don't mean he could <laughs> receive all of it. But he <laughs> yeah, he probably won't keep getting all those chats from you at least, but you'll give him the mm-hmm. money and then let the other team figure it out. Right. So we, we talk about those who have, you know, healthy cap situations, but then there are others that are significantly in worse positions. And at this point, there are 13 teams who are currently projected to be over the cap. From the Bills, who have just $1,011,351 allocated above the cap, where they currently also have $2,066,156 that is dead cap money. To the Saints, my Saints, who every year end on this list, $69.5 million. <laughs> so I can go first. Yeah, of course. I wouldn't have it any other way. I do not know what the Saints are going to do and how they're going to do it. We have $69.5 million above the cap. Now, while that is an astronomical figure, a couple caveats do exist as we stand. Drew Brees is expected to retire, and his cap hit is over $20 million. I think it's like $21, $21 million, which should he retire, he's still going to get all of his money. It's just that we're then going to spread it out over the next couple of seasons to help bring us closer to cap compliance. Right now, the Saints only have $1.2 million in dead cap money, which is great because when I'm looking through this list, like there, there are other teams that are way worse than we are where that is concerned. Like the Eagles, for example, who have $40 million in dead cap money. So there's nothing they can do about that. They have to do all of the other maneuvering and cutting to try to get under the cap. As we mentioned before, they are almost $43 million over the cap. Now, what I must say about the Saints is that it seems down in the bio, they have the ability to make magic happen. As I said, every year we are in cap trouble. Every, it's not always as bad as this. This is the worst I've seen, but for the last three or four years, the Saints have been in cap, have been in cap hell. We've been in purgatory before, but this year we we are literally stalking the flames. So I don't know what they're going to do, and I don't know how they're going to do it. The unfortunate situation is that the Saints has a roster that is built to win now, and unfortunately, with our quarterback situation, we have not been able to win. I have no idea what we're going to do going forward. I contrast that with like the Chiefs. The Chiefs are $23 million over the cap, but you can expect or you can understand them being $23 million over the cap if they have been to three AFC championship games in this time, two Super Bowls, and one one. So 
they have allocated and they have spent their money in such a way that it makes sense. You can see the rewards for all of their spending. The Eagles, 42 million over, with 40 million in the dead cap space, can't really see it. The Rams, they don't trust for a strong pay, so they're just giving them away to get whoever they can. And they're $33 million over the cap. With $30 million in dead cap space, they also have problems. I am anxious, very, very anxious to see how the Saints are going to fix this because I don't see how. I'm not going to add anything to that. I ain't going to add anything to that. But I just remember you mentioning it like on the coming to the end of last season. Before we actually saw, before I, well, I actually knew the official figure. I just remember you saying that y'all didn't have, like, yeah, like, y'all would be uh, in the red, essentially. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it kind of is interesting to me because, like you said, your roster is built to win now. So, it, it is extremely interesting to see what moves will be made to, to kind of, like, maneuver out of this situation and, and maintain, essentially. And maintain. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the maintenance is going to be the biggest challenge because mm -hmm. on offense, we have a lot of money tied up. And, well, I mean, is I think he's $15 million a year. Alvin Kamara's contract, he's $15 million a year. Uh, Michael Thomas, his contract is huge. He's like 20-something million dollars for the year. So we have a lot of money tied up in those. We have some guys on the offensive line that we're getting pretty handsomely paid. Defensively, we have some starters that are getting a fairly good set of money. We are going to have a completely different looking roster next season because we just can't afford to pay everybody. And because our team and the players that are going to be available as either restricted free agents or just outright free agents because we can't afford to pay them, it's going to be heartbreaking for me to see them leave. But at least we are not the only team that has to cut people. So the NFL.com, they brought out this um, these articles where they, they said that we have some expected personnel to get cut or what they call them viable or strong candidates for release. And then there are others that they said that may be a little bit of a surprise. Now, I know you've had an opportunity to look at these articles as well. So I'll give you first crack at this, AJ. You are, the, you are for the AFC. You are the AFC guy on the pod. So tell me, when you see these names, who do you expect to be like the first ones out the door? As ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> It wasn't too long ago I was saying that that Ben should be, from his own perspective, he should be looking to hang up, hang it up. As you say, Happy Valley is calling. It is about time. Ben is not that guy anymore. And and if it, I mean, I know you've been following what's been happening recently. The the, the Steelers are not committed to Ben. They're not right. committed to Ben. Ben, it, it, the fact that these statements are coming out, like, well, yeah, he's a Steeler as we as we stand here today. You know, like. No, nah, that's that's not any kind of voter confidence. That's no kind of voter confidence. And and then you have Ben sheepishly being like, all right, well, I'll I'll come back if they want me and willing to take a cap. You know what, Ben? Your experiment is over. It's it's been fun. You have done well. You've done well in that time. But if if there's one move, 
the first move that should be made here, it is Ben Roethlisberger. Well, I've, as you, you just made mention of, of, of how the team has been approaching Ben in his current situation. And I just, I just saw the article here. Team President Art Rooney said Ben Roethlisberger wants to return to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Steelers would like to have their franchise quarterback return for one more year under one condition. They have to negotiate his cap hit down. Is is either is it, oh sorry Ben wants to come back? Rooney said Thursday in a video conference call with beat reporters. We've left that door open. We've been upfront with Ben and letting him know that we couldn't have him back under the current contract. He understands we have some work to do there. So yeah, Ben knows that his money has to his money has to get cut if he wants to come back. No, that reminds me of a situation that I had at time and. I will just give a very high-level recap of that, that circumstance. But I was involved in a venture, and I was told that if I was going to come back, that I had to come back for less money too. And I made it plain that I was either coming back at the same money or I wasn't coming. I had the position, I had the standing at that point that I could have made such a statement and say, is either I come back at same or not at all. And it didn't go back. Ben, on the other hand, well, apparently he really wants to come back. So he has to humble himself and take whatever money is going to be offered for him to come back. Otherwise, the Steelers are, as you said, are just going to move on. He has to do that because Ben knows, Ben knows, given what he showed, like, He's been with this team his entire career, given what he has showed in the last, especially the last season, right? Where he essentially was one of the reasons why they could not um, progress to where they wanted to go. Ben knows that there's no, there's, there's no, not much of a market for him right now. Like no, nobody's looking to, to take, Ben is how old, well, is mid, mid to late thirties, right? How old is Ben? Yeah, ben, is, ben is in his mid thirties. 38, 39, something like that. Um, either way, either way the, the fact is Ben knows there's not much of a market for him and no one is going to take him for a year given what he showed in 2020 so the only thing he can do is tuck his tail between his legs and beg the, the Steelers to keep him with less money uh, but <laughs> even if I were the Steelers I mean they just brought in Dwayne Haskins you know personally I have not seen any sort of, and nothing from I've seen nothing from Haskins to make me a believer as yet but the guy is young. You never know. This might be the, the, the wake-up call that he needed, especially having uh, uh, Mike Tomlin, who, you know, as a black man, could probably talk to him and talk some sense. And, like, he might relate to him a bit more. I'm hoping that's the case. But Ben, ben, ben he has to take less money. If, if, if I were the Steelers, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't keep him around at all. But if he wants to stay, you know what, you can stay. But Ben won't, won't be he won't be my guaranteed starter for next season as in, yeah, we're doing it. Nah, right now you'll be fighting for that job, bro. You would be, you would be competing. Ain't no, ain't no guarantees for you. Well, the, the other one to me that I wanted to highlight, and this is, I guess you could kind of say close to home, literally, is Von Miller with the Broncos. So I don't know if you've been following Miller that closely, but, Von Miller has a club option. Yeah, there's a team option for his contract for 2021. So 
heading into this season, he has not been performing at the same level that he was prior yeah. to coming into 2021. And then, you know, he had the dislocated tendon in his ankle, which caused him, well, that was very early in camp. So he was out for the entirety of the 2020 season. And, well, we don't know what the circumstances are, so I'm not going to speculate, nor am I going to cast any aspersions, but Von Miller is currently under a criminal investigation, and the team has, all they have said is that they are aware of an investigation, and they are trying to gather more facts before they make a determination. So, what Von Miller has been great for the, sorry, for the Broncos, the likelihood is, especially when you factor in that they can save $18 million on the cap if they cut him. And his current legal situation, which, as we also know, especially if he is found to be guilty of something, or depending on how severe the allegations are, he could be suspended from by the league for some time. It could, if it's a domestic violence situation, you know that's going to be six games off the top. And if it's something more than that, then we don't even know. So, Von Miller seems to be a high candidate to be a cap casualty. Now, when we move on from the AFC and we go over to the NFC, now, again, we are looking at this art these articles that were published by NFL.com, written by Greg Rosenthal. I was surprised that there were not more um, saints on this list because of the issues that we have with the cap. And the only saints that they, they made mention of on this list was Quan Alexander, the linebacker who we just traded for from the 49ers and then towards ACL. And then our defensive tackle, Malcolm Brown. Now, I don't know what Malcolm Brown's contract situation is, but he is the least of the apostles because when we have Cam Jordan on one side, we still have Trey Hendrickson that we would love to keep. We would like to also maybe bring out Marcus Davenport, especially if we can't keep Hendrickson, then... I mean, again, no disrespect to Mr. Brown, but he would have to go. And we have, there's a lot of work that we have to do with our cap situation. But what made me laugh at this article was that the first four candidates for release were the Eagles. Now, as I have mentioned just now, the Eagles are in the second worst position, only second to yeah. my Saints with their cap and of the four positions or the four players that they listed then three of them are wide receivers receivers Sean Jeffrey Marquise Goodwin and Deshaun Jackson who has already been released so when yeah, it, since the article was released yeah he has been released yep so I mean the the Eagles they have a lot of work to do just like how the Saints do and apparently these are the guys, I mean, to be fair, why would they keep these wide receivers? These wide receivers have not been good. They've not been healthy. They've, they've not been available. You know, the, the best ability is availability. So, and then like Alshon Jeffrey, who 
drops away too many, why would you keep them? I, I, I'll tell you the truth, right? I did not even recall that Marquise Goodwin was in Philly. I did not even remember that this man was on this roster. That's to tell you. I mean, obviously, yeah, Deshaun I remember and then Alshon. But that goes to show I, I didn't know. I completely forgot that Marquise Goodwin was here. So, yeah. I the, To answer your question, why should they? They shouldn't. They shouldn't be keeping any of them. They shouldn't be keeping. None of them have done anything. And especially if you're in that position um, with your cap, um, with the cap, um, regarding the cap space, cap money. And yeah, like you said, they've been underperforming. And Alshon Jeffrey, Alshon Jeffrey's not a wide receiver one. He's, <laughs> he isn't a one. And know that you essentially don't even have a quarterback. And at this point, don't know what your quarterback situation is going to be. And it's definitely not going to be like a, a, a top tier, maybe not even second tier QB. Yeah, let him go. Wait, but I'm here even looking at Marquise Goodwin to see in terms of the, his stats and stuff. He has no stats recorded at all for the Eagles this season. So that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So I, I, that's why I didn't even. Uh, was he hurt? I, I he would have had. He would have had to be, because if he's still on the roster and being mentioned as a potential cap casualty, then. It's unfortunate though because I actually like Marquise Goodwin. I, I like no, he wasn't me. bad. He wasn't bad this time, but yeah, I mean, there's no reason to keep him around here, no. Nope, not at all. All right, so th- there was an interesting conversation that came up recently, like within the last couple of days, with regards to one Johnny Football, aka Johnny Manziel. So Johnny Manziel, for those of you who have not been paying attention, because why would you? Johnny Mazel is now a part of this new spring football league called the Fan Controlled Football. And he is the starting quarterback for the Zappers. I don't even know if they have a city. They're just called the Zappers. And the, the whole thing about the Fan Controlled Football League is that the fans, these games are streamed on Twitch. And the fans, they pick the lineups and they call the plays. So for all of you armchair quarterbacks and um, coach GMs and coach OCs and DCs, you get your opportunity to pick some plays during these seven-on-seven football games. But you were telling me that there was an interesting take or conversation being um, let out on this one. So tell the folks what's happening. Yes, yeah, so on, on this Skip versus Shannon, Undisputed, uh, this came up as a topic, and Unk, as we affectionately refer to him, Shannon Sharp, he was saying essentially that the world, the entire world is laughing at Johnny Manziel. And he, he went on to talk about the fact that, you know, John, and it was even before he was in the league, he was a brand, you know, Johnny Football, and the fact that he had this amazing opportunity in front of him in the league and he threw it all away. And it, it seemed, um, yeah, he, 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 in a sense, it, it, it seemed like he was coming down a bit hard on it. I wouldn't say he necessarily was casting aspersions on his character. I don't think it was that deep, but he was coming down a little hard on, on him. And I personally thought it was, it, it was slightly over the top from him. I know, I know this, um, he, sometimes like gets very personal with these sorts of issues but 
he he overlooked the fact that this guy had some personal demons that he was battling. And I don't think that's something that should be taken lightly when you have these sorts of conversations about people. Uh, so the man had, Johnny Manziel has had issues with, with alcoholism, had to check himself into rehab more than once because, you know, he, he was able to acknowledge that he, he was even, um, like, you know, backsliding and um, can't remember the term right now, but yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, he had his issues to deal with and had to come through them. And yeah, this might not be a, a, the most ideal look, but no one was willing to give him a chance in the, in the NFL anymore. We know that much. He was over in, where was it? Was, in, was it in Canada or? Reno? Yeah, he was playing some CFL. It was CFL, right. He was in CFL and I don't think that worked out either. And no, the, the guy just wants to play some form of football and he found it. And if he's having fun, I don't see what the issue is. Like I said, he had to he had to battle his own personal demons. Is this is not just a case of him trying to just steal money from like as Stephen A always says, like like Jamarcus Russell, just trying to steal money from an organization and not do uh, not do anything. The, the man had issues that he was dealing with. I didn't necessarily like this take from from Shannon Sharp. Um, yeah, I think he was looking at it a bit narrow-mindedly. That's just me. Um, I, I think if if the man is if Johnny Football is currently in a place where he's happy and playing this kind of football, then the world it, it doesn't care. It's sorry, it, it doesn't matter. He shouldn't care if the world is laughing at him. And to be quite honest, people who are looking at it from the fact that this man had personal issues to overcome, they're not laughing at him. Well, I agree. You know, I I remember when Johnny Manziel was being drafted by the Bronx. And, you know, he had his little money celebration, even when he didn't necessarily do too much to, to have to celebrate. But, you know, he was just there. You know, anytime he threw a good pass, you know, show me the money. Yeah, money. <laughs> and, and then he, the, the whole situation, and it's not just him. There are many players that come into the NFL who can't handle the fame. They can't handle the responsibility. They're not mentally in the position that they need to be in to thrive in an environment like the NFL. Like, guys, there are some guys who are gym rats. There are guys who crunch a lot of film. Then the guys who enjoy the fame and the trappings that come with it. And... Johnny Manziel was, was one that came from money when he was at Texas. Then he got into the league. So he was already partying it up from back then. And as like some folks who are in educational situations and they find that things come easy to them and they don't necessarily need to study, then they don't develop good habits that they can take into a more professional situation. And I believe that that's what happened here with Johnny. And... As you mentioned, he had alcoholism problems. He did go to rehab. He went to Canada. It didn't work out for him there. But I don't think you go playing this fan in this fan league with random people who know absolutely I can't say no absolutely nothing because they could argue that I also know absolutely nothing having never played. But people who don't know necessarily like game planning and working out schemes and all that kind of stuff. They're the ones that are calling the players. And Johnny's playing. And I saw there was a highlight, like, 
the almost his first play in the league where he took the snap, stood and looked around for like two seconds and then took off running and almost scored a touchdown. And he got up smiling, happy. He was laughing. He was enjoying himself. You don't do something like this if you don't enjoy the game. And if you don't just want to play. So let him play. At the end of the day, as long as he's happy with what he's doing, he's not, he's not lacking for money. So as long as he's happy, then more power to you, John. I, I think it's just it's just as simple as that. And um, looking into it a bit more, apparently the Zappers is the team is co-owned by he's one of his personal friends. But you know who Bob Menery is, right? The guy who does the voiceover is correct. So apparently Bob Menery is is a co-owner of that team. So it's just like it's it it see that 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 in my mind sets it even more as you know this is just a fun thing for him that he's doing. I don't think there's any there's any reason to say that anyone is laughing at if if they are well uh, that's very narrow minded and shallow in my opinion I don't think this is a reason to be laughing at him he has had issues he's had to deal with in the past he's doing something for fun right now football didn't work for him professionally and it seems it seems that he's actually gotten to the point where he's accepted that he's not going to be a professional footballer anymore but he clearly still loves his sport so he's having some fun with it right now. I see no harm in that. But the thing is, at the end of the day, like as much as Shannon, like so maybe Shannon and some of the other vets and stuff would say that he could have done more, he could have done better. Maybe somebody's laughing at him or what. All right, so maybe that may be the case. But for those for people who just you know they look at someone who has had their issues and they have now gotten to a point where they can they can still do what they want to do and enjoy themselves, we aren't laughing. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, again, as Johnny Mazzella is 28 years old. Huh? He's still a young man. He is. he is. So if, and we have seen it so often, guys get called from Canada, guys get called up from the XFL, guys get called from the street. If Johnny Mazzella is able somehow I'm I'm not saying that this is likely to happen but if he is able to at least you know put on tape that he can still throw the ball that he can still make accurate throws outside the numbers etc who knows you never know as long as there's life there's hope and possible <laughs> yeah all things anything is possible so we can wait and see what happens for Johnny down the road. All right. So last week, AJ, you gave us your final thoughts with regards to Chris Doyle, Urban Meyer, and this fiasco of a hiring. Now this week is my turn. And I want to spend a little time talking about Cam. Our good buddy Cam Newton. Now, for those who may not be necessarily so familiar with his story, let me give you a little background on who is Cam. Now, Cam Newton is a two-time national college football champion. 2008 and 2010, he won the Heisman Trophy in 2010. And 
his production and his performances in that season caused him to be the first overall pick in 2011 with the Carolina Panthers. Now, Cam being the first overall pick in Carolina, it would have been it would have been a little challenging for me to root for Cam because the Panthers in my division. However, I cannot deny that Cam was good while he was in Carolina. He was all rookie. He was on the Pro Football Writers Association all rookie team in 2011, and he was rookie of the year. In his time in Carolina, Cam has been a three-time Pro Bowler, first team All Pro, and Offensive Player of the Year and NFL MVP in 2015. Cam has been able to set records for the most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback with 70. He has the most rushing touchdowns in a season with 14. And he currently holds the record for most rushing attempts by a quarterback with 1,071. And maybe the rushing touchdowns in the season may be under threat. Maybe his record for the most rushing touchdowns may be under threat. But as long as Cam is a starter in this league, Cam is expected to continue to improve on these numbers. One of the most endearing things about Cam is that Cam is always smiling, especially when things are going well on the field. When Cam is playing well, you know, when he jumps over defenders and gets into the end zone, then he gives you the Superman pose. <laughs> and he has this humongous smile on his face. And well, we like to make some sport at camp with how Cam likes to dress because Cam, Cam's um, dressing has gone through a bit of a journey. We've had Cam wearing some interesting colors. We've had Cam when he started debuting the hats when he was wearing the fez. That was, that was interesting. We've had Cam go through the granny scarf phase. Um, I think that was two seasons ago. When all no, last season, when he was just he wasn't even wearing the hat, it was just this this scarf that bought home in the Caribbean. A lot of grannies would tie their head with it when the night comes so that they could go and sleep. We had Cam doing all kinds of crazy things. And Cam has earned criticism, fear by some of the comments that he's made in the press conferences. Like he, you know, he had that time when he he talked about the female reporter asking him about rope combinations and he said it was interesting that a female would be asking those questions and then he had to apologize. He has not done everything right on and off the field. He has had his own issues, but one thing that we can definitely say and the folks in Carolina, I'm hoping you would agree, Cam's heart has been as big as his smile. Whenever you see Cam score a touchdown, it isn't that he's going to just be like, spike the football and, and all that stuff. He looks for a kid in the stands and he gives them the ball. Well, Cam was in Carolina. He had his annual Thanksgiving jam where he used to, where he would serve approximately 1,200 guests. Christmas time, it was Santa Cam, surprise slave, where he would go around to different locations, different organizations and just give them money. And he created the Cam Newton Foundation through which he was awarded the Walter Payton Man of the Year in 2019. 
So by all intents and purposes, Cam is a good dude. And let's not fool our foot. Cam has earned quite a bit of money from football as well. His career earnings to date stand at $122.5 million. If you want the exact figure, you can go Google it yourself. Now, that leads me now into this weekend. Now, Cam has been holding camps for quite some time. And these camps are for students, high school students, maybe a couple college kids, where they can come, they can play. You have colleges who will be sending scouts to these camps to look at children and see what they're doing and everything. And this weekend, Cam gets into it with a kid. Now, he's a high school student, so I'm not going to come on here and call the kid's name. If you want to find it, again, Google is there. You can go look him up. I'm not sending anybody behind this kid. However, there are certain things in this situation that I would like to highlight. So everybody by now mostly has seen that video where Cam is walking along the sideline at the camp and this kid starts calling out at him and telling him all kinds of things. And then he says that, you know, you're a free agent. You're a free agent. Cam says, but I'm rich. The kid says, but you're going to be poor. No, as I just said, Cam has made $122.5 million from football. It's unlikely that Cam is going to find himself in difficulty financially in any hurry. That's a lot of money to have to have made. That is, that is family life-changing money for anybody. But then... Cam is going to look at the kid when the kid tells him that he's going to be poor. Cam tells him then that he shouldn't, that he, Cam, should be speaking to the kid's father. Now, I personally, I didn't like that. Now, for those who do not live here in the States, but you know, for those who live in the Caribbean is, is also reality. In a lot of cases for us in the Black community, a lot of fathers aren't there. They're not home with their families, they're not home with their children, and therefore, when you as an authority figure is gonna look at a kid whose family situation you may or may not know and tell him that, you know, I shouldn't be talking to you, I should be talking to your father, where's your father? Then to me, that's a low blow. Because let's say that this kid's father, I don't know, but he, Again, I'll come out to that point in a second. But let's say that this kid's father wasn't there. He wasn't in the picture. He had left or whatever. He was in prison for whatever reason. Then, then that would have been crushing for the kid. And I personally didn't like that. Now, there's a second video that has not been as popular as the first one because the first one shows Cam and the, the interaction with Cam and this youngster. And... It will not do the rounds because it's not as salacious, it's not as involved where Cam now is trying to talk to the kid, but the kid is continuing with the disrespect. Cam is asking him, so, you know, you guys played today? And the kid was like, yeah, we played. And he asked him, what's your record? And the kid couldn't even remember if it was one and two or two and one. Then Cam is asking him, so what did you do? And here's the OUC. 
Cam is asking him questions and he's just not answering. The coach comes in, but the coach doesn't, to me, the coach doesn't address the situation properly either. The, the coach doesn't tell the kid, well, you know, really and truly, what you're doing right now is mad disrespectful. You need to man up and apologize. None of that happens in the, in that video. is a two-minute long clip. And then Cam takes the rest of the campers and tells them, well, we're heading to this end zone. And that's the end of it. He does say to the coach that, you know, he's squashed the whole thing. He's not taking it personal. And I applaud him for that. As I said, it's not as salacious as when Cam tells the guy that he should be talking to his father. So you're not going to find that doing the rounds. But what I wanted to make mention of was that a lot of people have had a lot of things to say about this situation. People have been coming down on Cam and saying that Cam should not have responded at Cam, but we know that Cam likes to engage with people. Therefore, he hears someone talking some smart and he says it, you wanted the attention, so I gave it to you. As I made mention of before, I do not appreciate what Cam said with regards to the kid's father, but Cam is not taking it personal and Cam has moved on. Now, the kid, he apologized. He tweeted out an apology where he sent it to Cam, he sent it to ESPN, he sent it to a couple other places. And he says, first and foremost, I want to express my deepest apologies to Cam Newton, my entire organization, my coaches, sorry, and my coaches for my actions at the 7v tournament, 7v7 tournament this past weekend. I did not intend for it to get as far as it did. First, I would like to start off by saying my parents never taught me to, I guess he's trying to say, to be disrespectful. As a football player, I let my competitive side get the best of me, and it was huge a huge miscommunication. It was in the midst of the moment, and I realized now how a lot of you took it as disrespect. I never meant to humiliate and let anyone down. I'm very appreciative for 7v7 to allow me to be a part of the community and allowing me to be a part of the team I am currently on. I realize this can dictate my future as a young man having very big dreams or goals, but I will not allow this to stop me from getting where I need to be. So again, I apologize and I hope I can be forgiven. And I applaud him for that. There's some issues that I could take from what he said in his apology, but I'm not the apology police. And if he is apologizing and he is truly remorseful for what he said and what he did, then all the best, all the power to you, sir, going forward. But here is my main takeaway from all of this. We all, as a society, we all got to do better. Cam could have and should have done better in the situation. So there's no excusing him. The kid also could have done better. But as a society, we have to do better raising these kids. And... When the kid, when, as Cam said, he recognized what, he, he saw what the game was. He understood that the youngster was making these statements because he was looking for attention and he gave it to him. And this is the same kind of foolishness that happens at basketball games. It happens at football games. We have the crowd getting out of pocket and saying all kinds of craziness, all kinds of things. We see it not just in American sports. We see it in, um, we see it in soccer, in Europe where the crowd is saying things because they're trying to get a reaction out of somebody. They're, they're making racist statements in the crowd because they think that doing that, they may come back and say, oh, but I myself am not racist, but I'm just making this statement because, you know, me making this statement is going to get 
you off your game and cause you to to think or act differently. And we we all have to do better. It's high time that as a society we understand that just because a man is famous, he's popular, he's whatever, it doesn't give you the right to come up and say whatever, do whatever. This kid didn't come up with the idea that I can just show up and tell Cam that he's trash and that he's a free agent as if that in and of itself is disparaging because Cam is a free agent, but you're still in high school. Cam more than likely is going to get signed by a team next year and make another million dollars and you're still going to be in school hoping to get to where he's at. But we need to do better. We need to be showing a better example for these kids so that when they see these situations and you see somebody being behaving out of pocket and they get checked, that they recognize that that is not something for me to do. And if we as a society can't check these youngsters when they're doing foolishness and behaving in such a manner, we are setting ourselves up for failure going forward. We got to do better. Thank you. All right. So on that note, folks, that is the end of another Green Beige podcast. As always, subscribe, hit the bell so that whenever the episodes drop, you know that it's there. We won't keep you any longer. Thank you for your time. Tonight, we have had a great time talking about football and, and other stuff. We hope that you'll join us next time. As for the Green Beige podcast, again, that is AJ and Ken. We will see you next time.